won't stop firing. I think I'm being followed. My dad is turning green, like literally green. My last nav check put me on the range point four. This is control. Be radio. Keep calm and remain on the guard frequency. Greetings, Sins and Sibs. You're tuned to the Guard Frequency. As all good pilots know, when you're out in the deep black, you want to keep one ear on the guard. This is episode 78 and was recorded on June 26th and made available for download June 30th at GuardFrequency.com. I'm Tony. And I'm Jeff. And Tony escaped the badger cuff and locked it back on the person who came up with the idea of handcuffing oneself to a badger and has badgered, banished said person to Central Europe for a timeout. Fortunately, we welcome back. And I'm Jace. And what do we have this week, Jace? Well, in this week's Squawk Box, we take video gaming into the real world. In CIG News, we bring you our weekly crowdfunding update and a Friday news dump like no other. In this week's Nuggets for Nuggets, we get to know the man behind the space pony. And finally, we tune into the feedback loop and let you join in the conversation. Sits and Sivs, you can help us bring you more of the show you love by visiting our website, GuardFrequency.com, and clicking on the Patreon button. With a low, low price of $1.25 per episode, you can become a backer and get access to the unedited recordings of the show a whole four days before our Tuesday release. Of course, we're happy to share our labor of love with you each week free of charge, but it's nice to get the occasional concrete reminder that folks out there in the verse love listening to the show as much as we love making it. We thank everybody who's already chipped in and hope you consider making a regular contribution. The more support we get, the better show we can make. That takes care of the housekeeping, so let's get to the show and see what's coming through the Squawk Box. Any of you boys need a carrier around here? Uh, everything's under control. Situation normal. You know, while we're hanging around not playing Star Marine or enjoying the benefits of bug fixes to Arena Commander, one must wonder, what's the point? Why would we, as a video game playing community, bother with all this electronic nonsense? Fortunately, it looks like there may be some real-life benefits to your virtual addiction uh, hobby. <clears throat> In true Gawker fashion, Lifehacker put together a top 10 list of possible benefits to video game playing that we'll just run down together here and you know, let's see if we can justify any of these conclusions from our, our own personal experience. So uh, we'll just start with the number 10 ways. Learning personal accountability. Gentlemen, have video games taught you personal accountability? I, I take the exact opposite of that. Oh, really? I, I think it detracts from personal responsibility. I'm sorry to say that a lot of people's true natures really come out in video games, especially in MMOs. Oh, so you're saying the anonymity that you can kind of hide behind you know, gives you carte blanche to be kind of a jerk. Exactly. Ah, okay. All right. Jace, how about you? Yeah, I could see that. Although I think what they're getting at, which I agree with to an extent, is more punishing video games. You know, you kind of have nobody but yourself to blame if you get killed. Especially old school games that are oh, very yeah. challenging yeah. or technically difficult. A lot of games now, you just respawn like three meters from where you just were. So Right, right. There's no, there's no pain. So from Jess' point of view, it's... On the social side, you know, you got the anonymity to hide behind. But from Jace's point of view, the technical side, you got nobody to blame but yourself if you can't pass the level or whatever. Well, and I agree with that, too. I mean, many single games I'll play as challenging as I can challenge, and I'll play it through. And then after I've completed the game, I'll go and, like, get a trainer or something to play a single-player game and play it with everything I can get and just have fun with it. Mm -hmm. 
We've also managed to cover number nine, learning how to deal with people in real life. Jeff's already weighed in on that one. Yeah, Yeah, I agree with Jeff on that one. I love that the picture of this is a console controller because that's like the worst possible example of how to deal with people in real life, talking (laughs) Xbox Live. Number eight is exercise your brain and improve problem-solving skills. I I think that's very true. Yeah, Yeah, definitely. You're challenged. uh, You know, some other human being has set uh, up a series of traps, tricks, and problems for you, another human being, to sort of solve and get through. So, yeah, I think that one's pretty obvious. Number seven, relax and relieve anxiety and stress. Uh, Sometimes. Maybe. (laughs) Some game. I don't know that they don't create their own anxiety and stress. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not like we here at Guard Frequency have anything to stress or be anxious over or, you know, comment on, you know, or stroke our our beards in a sage fashion over every week here. So we'll give number seven a maybe there. Number six, meet new people. For sure. For me, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I've met lots of fun people doing gaming stuff. Yeah, me too. I I have a lot of good friends that go years back in Elliot, our producer. I've known for uh, a very long time. I don't want to count the years. <laughs> I don't want to see. <laughs> You've known Elliot longer than my son has been alive. Yeah. Number five, get better at multitasking. Well, well, you know, I have children, and sometimes I have to, you know, attend to their needs while playing games. So, yes, I would say yes, definitely for me. Yeah, I think so. And, you know, there's some arguments that we don't really multitask. We just handle a lot right. of tasks at the same time. I was just going through some training for project management, and the speaker was talking about how we don't truly do multitasking. We're not a computer that actually handles that. So, so it's, it's more like some people are able to rapidly switch between tasks. Right. And some people need a little more warm-up time between switching one task to another. Jace, how about you? Some of us are uh, hyper-threaded, but we're not multi-core. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I like that. All right, number four, learn how to start over and let it go. I think this is what you guys were talking about earlier with those old school games. Yeah. For this one, I think about playing Dark Souls, which is like one of the few modern games I've actually gotten a 100% achievement on, and oh my goodness. I just picked that up in the Steam sale. I can't wait to play. Oh yeah. You'll like it. Number three, get into a good workflow. I, no, no. Games interrupt my workflow. They <laughs> Games have taught me to interrupt my workflow and play games. But, you know, MMOs, sometimes you actually have to have a workflow just to play them. Okay, well, my crafting cooldowns will be done at this time. I need X amount of dilithium. I can refine this much of it a day and so on and so uh, forth. Yeah, I guess that's true. You know, it's funny how MMO people set up a work day for you in the game you're supposed to play. Yeah. Mm. What about you, Jeff? I I have to agree with Jace on this one. I I think games are designed with workflows in mind, and that's how they build on their MMO. I mean, almost every game is the same when it comes to crafting, and even some quests are like that. You know, you can't jump ahead. Usually, you have to start at point A and work yourself through to the end. So, yeah, it's all about workflows. So I think it teaches you what to expect in a workflow situation. Number two, rewire your brain for happiness and positivity. <laughs> Where did they come up with this? <laughs> I don't know. That one, but, there's very specific examples for. But yeah, yes. again, I think some. it depends on what game you're playing. Yep. Rewire your brain for rage and obscenity, maybe. How many times have I wanted to pick my keyboard up off the table and smash it into the desk? <laughs> <laughs> the article here specifically talks about Tetris. 
-hmm. And I will tell you, playing Tetris as a young lad prepared me for an early career in the grocery sacking industry, where you had to fit stuff into a confined space and then take this stuff you fit into the bag and then fit it into the back of a Yugo hatchback. I mean, Tetris really did wire me for some positive things. So what you're saying is we should all start our day with a game of Tetris. I think so. I think really, I think the world would be a better place if everybody just played Tetris for 15 minutes before they started the day off. That probably helped you out a lot in this past week. Moving? Oh my god, yes. Uh, all week long we've been moving stuff around. My wife specifically refers to my Tetris skills from time to time when something is like frustrating her. She says, you Tetris this thing, I can't deal with it anymore. And then finally, number one, level up your entire life. So this is like as game designers break down achievements and levels after you pass certain milestones, this is saying, you know, that you can use that and set milestones for yourself to achieve. Yeah, they have all those websites like this, right, where you can yeah. like make your chores into things that give you XP and there's apps for it. I did download an app once, but it wasn't as specific about, you know, XP. It was just like a set achievements that you want to unlock every day. Mm -hmm. so, I mean, I downloaded it and then, of course, never used it like many apps on my phone. What about you, Jeff? I, I think I'm fitter working around my house than I am playing video games. <laughs> you don't require a level up to go fix your deck, is what you're saying. So he needs to do the reverse. He needs to find a way to make his gaming into more of a chore. Yeah, there you go. Which is why he backs uh, <laughs> Alpha Games. <laughs> That's true. So we're giving this uh, this article a definite uh, meh as far as uh, accuracy goes. But you guys can check it out for yourself. And, of course, as a, being a good Gawker article, they have links inside everything. Most of them go to other Gawker articles. But, you know, hey, you might find some actual evidence buried in there, too. But otherwise, if you've read, seen, or heard something that you think might be interesting to other citizens or civilians, send an email to squawk at guardfrequency.com. Now let's check out some CIG news. Three one seven five Port Bay, hands on approach, trigger screen, call the ball. Don't get technical with me. Our crowd funding update for June 26, 2015, 84,340,000, up about 140,000 bucks. Star citizens, our ranks have swelled to 915,000 and change, and the UE fleet has grown by a, a couple ships, about 728,000 now. Hopefully, the news coming out this week will make those numbers grow a little bit bigger again. Absolutely. And hot off the presses, introducing the Genesis Starliner. The article about the Starliner contains all the standard info, the engines, the capacity, the $400 price tag. There's a note in here by the ship who would suggest that you give one to me, Jeff, because I want one really, really bad. So just ignore Shiv and ever future Twitters or whatever he says that he wants it instead. But the page also contains some fiction that you can tweak to make the story a little different each time. Included is a safety sheet on how to put on oxygen masks, find the exits, and call for help. It also warns you that hacking the systems is prohibited. There are some mentions of military variants for troop transports, M50 racing traveling buses, where they can repair the M50 in the back, and even SWAC function. SWACs being the AWACs, right. space, space warning airborne and control yes. system. Pretty awesome. But this is a thing you guys talked about last week while I was gone, was it not? A concept sale before the first-person shooter module? Yeah, but it's hard talking about something you really haven't seen yet and you know looking at all the stats and the pictures and the layout and 
I think I mentioned this prior to the show, but it reminds me of the fifth element where they take that big liner to the big space palace and uh, orbiting a planet. And uh, it opened up a, quite a bit of imagination thinking there. Yeah, I mean, it's a cool looking ship, but the discussion you guys got in last week was, do we want this stuff out there until we get, you know, in, until the first person shooter's out? Now, Ben himself came in to address this. I don't think you guys started it because he basically came out with the post on the forums like the same day we released. So clearly this is a thing that had been on the forums before our show had, had gone out. But what Ben had basically said was that he had said, and I'm, I'm sort of quoting him, we're not comfortable having a big sale before delivering on first-person shooter. And what Ben came back to in the forums to say is that, well, no one's happy having a concept sale before we delivered a major patch, but... And this is something we've been saying for a long time. The company has to keep the money rolling in because they're a corporation now and they've got to show anybody that needs to have reliance on their ability to stay in business as a business. They have to be able to show income, regular income every month. And so if you want to sign an office lease, if you want to rent major pieces of equipment, if you want to sign a long-term contract with a vendor, some of them are going to want to see income statements to say, yeah, you have the ability to pay these bills every month. And I would agree with that statement. But I also think that the discussion was more about the release of the concept sale before the FPS module rather than the Starliner itself. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. But I mean, the timing of this is just boom, boom, boom. You guys had the discussion. Ben comes out with the, the response in the forums. And here we are with the, with the Starliner. It just seems to me like they're taking our people's reaction to this seriously, but they are management and business is business and they're doing what they need to do to keep the business open. I think if they're solely relying on concept ship sales, that model is not going to be sustainable. I think that they need to come up with other ways to generate income, even if it's like, uh, you know, sell UEC credits or put big sales on or merchandising of some kind. Let's face it, Star Citizen is a big name. If anybody hasn't heard about Star Citizen at this time, you've been either living in the dark side of the moon or in some rabbit hole somewhere. I think that they could really ramp up other areas of income generation. I think some of them will come with the FPS module is the problem. Like what? Like whole bundle packs of upgrades they've talked about as a possibility on the forums for your FPS experience. They even talked about having an FPS starter pack instead of a pledge ship. Ah, well, maybe more fodder for the forums on that one now. So now we're moving off of ships that don't exist, but we're going to sell you microtransactions for a game that's not even in beta yet. I don't see that adding any sort of gasoline or anything to any sort of, you know, rage fest for anybody at all. Do you? That doesn't seem any different to me than the VD store. Well, yeah, I mean, again, people have problems with that, too. Mm -hmm. You know, Ben had to jump on the forums a lot of times to say, hey, you're right, we should find a way to let people test the things in the game and not have to pay for that, the privilege of testing those things in the game. They're, they're walking a narrow line here, and they're doing things that no one else has ever done before. So I am not going to throw the gasoline on the fire yet for this stuff. But I agree with you, Jeff, that they need to find other ways of doing it. But my point back to that would be, it seems to have worked so far. Every time they put out a concept sale, they get into the six figures as far as the crowdfunding numbers go. And when they have a dry spell without them, we get crowdfunding numbers like the ones that I just read this week. Not a lot happening. So it seems to me like the concept ship sales are still working. And I think probably because of what they usually attach to a concept ship sale, which is a design post like the one that came with the Starliner. It's true. Not only did the team release the ship and the concept, but a nice long post about how you can use it in the game. In other words, Tony Z and the Austin crew are sharing the preliminaries on how you can make space bucks shipping passengers from place to place. First, you need a suitable ship. 
Hmm, one might suggest the Genesis Starliner, perhaps? And a passenger license. I object to this part. Long-haired criminal people with records need not apply. Fortunately, only the first of those apply. But if you have a clean record and no prior experience, you should be good to go. Those other folks could apply for a fake ID, one might say, however. Ship and license acquired by hook or by crook, the next step is to find a starport with people and look at the popular destinations and set some ticket prices for whatever class seating you have. If you make good deals that are competitive in the passenger market, then passengers will flood in or perhaps trickle in if you did not choose as wisely, but you can adjust those ticket prices at any time. You can also cancel the entire thing and choose another destination, but the passengers who already bought tickets are going to be upset. That would cause a hit to your reputation. Reputation will be crucial to your success in the passenger transportation industry. That reputation is based largely on how safely you get your passengers to their destination and how well they enjoyed their flight. The ship has a system for the passengers to tell the attendants what they need called ICES, Information, Communication, and Entertainment Systems. But if it has problems such as burnt out units, radio interference, or bad connections, you'll need to repair it as soon as possible so you can continue to meet the needs of the passengers. Your movie selections will also make a difference. New hotness, old classics. In any case, action movies won't be the only source of excitement. Even when they order drinks, you'll have something to do. You can use the Mix Masters to fulfill their quaffing fantasies. Mix them in the right amounts and they'll be happy. First class and luxury passengers will not be as forgiving as the passengers shoved next to the cargo crate full of Torlandian hyperchickens. In addition to your skill at making drinks, where you buy ingredients matters. You can get them at Ziggy's Drink Tank if you want to save credits, or at a planet known to make quality, one might even say artisanal ingredients. The passengers will know the difference. Or you can get that special blue stuff from an obscure moon and they will really like what you've made. Medical issues may arise when a passenger gets ill, making other passengers nervous or possibly sick when they execute their vomit animation all over the place. Use your diagnosis computer to know the cure for what ails them or get to know over time what symptoms equal what malady. Just don't screw up. You can lose your license. Maybe you like mixing drinks, but fixing the ICES system is not your jam. Hire a flight attendant to do what you don't like and focus on what you love. Lastly, upon touchdown, when you've given everyone permission to disembark, they'll rate their experience. If you slake their thirst with delicious libations, provided good movies, and stop that guy in B3 from coughing up a lung, you'll get a great rating. If you stopped at the wrong location and then kicked everyone off, it's one stars all the way down. See, I think this is why the concept sales are still such a good idea. Because if they execute it with flavor, right? You know, they take out a ship and they roll it out there and then they give you an idea of what you can do with it once you have it. I think that's the secret sauce. I agree. And this is specifically some information that we didn't know that will cascade to other ships as well, because they make it fairly clear from their wording that you can use other ships for this passenger service, uh -huh. but the Starliner will be much more capable in those areas. Yeah, oh yeah. And you get some hints from how cargo shippers are going to rate you as well. And you get some hints about the kind of inputs that you're going to have there too. I mean, they're not, you're not going to mix drinks for the cargo crates, but you know, a timely arrival, you'll get penalized for jettisoning cargo prior to its destination. Mm, very you true. Know, that kind of stuff. The back end has already worked out to plug that into the rating that even cargo shipping would give you. Right. And then you have your reputation system, you have your licensing system. These are all things that can be expanded to other areas. 
That's why I think that this is still the secret sauce for them. The concept sales with a design document that gives you an idea of the kind of ways that you'll be able to use the item that they're selling. If they give us clues as to how the rest of the game is going to work, even better. Jeff, you said you wanted one of these, but you're awfully quiet. Well, yeah, I, I see some other potentials out there. I mean, we can. it's from one of the larger, most non-threatening ships that they have yet produced, I think. Uh-huh. And because it looks so non-threatening, it has a lot of applications as a, as a hospital ship, a news platform for going to big events. Uh-huh. So if you're a news crew and, and let's say we had the Galactic Olympics, this ship would be perfect for hauling your news crew around. There's all kinds of different things that you can use one of these for. Yeah, yeah. It wasn't a design document, but the other one they were mentioning, it was a. Uh, it could be a, a semi-truck for a racing team, right? Right. Mm-hmm. The AWACS plane or the SWACS plane. This thing is like a real-world 707, right? It's not a big jumbo jet. It's a small jet, but they're still everywhere. They're KC-135s. They're AWACS planes. John Travolta has one, I understand. So, I mean, the Starliner is the 707 of 21st century America. Yeah, it's got decent cargo capacity at 403 units, decent passenger capacity, a crew of eight. I I mean, it really does have that Swiss Army feel to it. Yeah, and one of those those eight crew members better be a bartender. (laughs) One stars all the way down. (laughs) Well, I expect that the Q&A will have a lot about how many more weapons can I tack, nail, bolt, and duct tape to it? And how many little racing ships can I fit in it to make it a pocket carrier? That's my yeah, prediction. Yeah, because I need another pocket carrier. That's right. You can <laughs> launch three M50s out of it and have six guns. <laughs> wait, wait, wait. No, the M50s have two guns apiece. So you'll have a grand total of eight guns. Way to go. Can we leave the hatch open and fire FPS weapons out? <laughs> <laughs> there you go. And if one guy has a bazooka, you basically doubled your armament. Yeah, I can think of better uses than a pocket carrier, I think. Yeah, think of all the secondary industries. That, if, yeah. if you're uh, escort duty for this thing, because literally this thing couldn't shoot itself out of a wet paper bag. Yeah, <laughs> what's well, not supposed to? Uh, yeah. That was a big part of the design post, right? I mean, this thing is not supposed to have any traditional gameplay value at all. But they're going to make it so that you can do lots of weird things with it. And they're going to design systems around it so that whatever you decide to do with it, you're going to be able to slot something in, whether it's a cargo run, whether it's a passenger run, whether it's I stick a big radar dish on top of the thing and use it to direct traffic. Maybe you're an emergency responder, right? And you're just you're telling people uh, food over here and fuel over here and battle damage repair over here. I mean, again, they treat this thing like a 707. It's a big shell with a couple of guns, some standardized engines, and then a whole lot of points on it that you can put stuff on. Hopefully that was the idea they had going into this thing. Hopefully that's the way they execute it. And they just let the players play with it and just do weird stuff. Well, yeah, but even the Air Force took a C-130 and made the Hercules out of it, so come on. The, the, with, the, with, the, with the howitzer on the side? Yeah. Oh, yeah, baby. Oh, yeah, baby. Well, I want one of those. Don't give them any ideas. Five millimeter howitzer stuck out the side of my plane. <laughs> That's what I want. Well, and a Friday news dump would not be the same without a letter from the chairman. Yes, after 10 weeks of shooting Star Marine slash FPS slash Squadron 42 episodes 1 and 2 and maybe 3, who knows. Chris has uh, sort of poked his head out from the groundhog hole he was in and said, Hey guys, what's up? 
and brings us a, a long and detailed letter from the chairman. It's like he's listening to the show, because basically what he's promised in this uh, letter is a high-level overview once a week until first-person shooter is out. Thank you very much, Chris. This is a good development. We're back in the in the area where Chris knows that the clock has been running for longer than it should have. Lots of good reasons why in the letter. Many of them we've discussed on the show. No big surprises there as to what the content of the letter was, but it was good to hear from the man himself that, yeah, most of the stuff we've been talking about is right on. In particular, one that I want to have our network IT fellow address, Mr. Jeff, if you will, could address possibly the generic instance manager and the matchmaking system that Chris went into some technical detail about. Well, basically, it's duping VMs off into the cloud, and, and we'll spin them up and add them as yeah. necessary. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, okay. Uh, yeah, right. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> right. Yeah, you lost me at duping VMs up into the cloud. You, that was like you literally the first thing out of your mouth, and I'm already done. Duping, I'm assuming, it means duplicating, right? Right. Okay, so the VM is a... We usually call it replication, okay. but Google uses a different term. I probably wouldn't have used Google services. I probably would have gone with Azure for what he's trying to do because they spin up and create DNS records and all that other stuff automatically. But Okay, so what, what you're saying, it creates a DNS record. So whenever you duplicate or replicate a virtual machine... Right. You were basically putting a new machine on the internet saying, hi, everybody, if you're a Star Citizen fan, come connect to me. Right. The way he's scripting it, he's taking the OS partition and the data partition and all the different, basically there's three elements that he's taking and he's replicating it to Google Uh and creating a, a new DNS record for that same machine, basically, or, you know, virtual machine. So he's making a new computer for every match that anybody wants to play. Right, but it still contains the same data, basically. Okay, so basically what's happening is that however big the game is, let's say 20 gigabytes or 50 gigabytes or 100 gigabytes, he's writing the entire thing that you would need to play the game to a disk somewhere. Right. And then posting the literal internet address, the DNS, the domain name server, to the Google system and saying, hey, anybody that's looking for a Star Citizen game, I got this brand new machine that I just created just for you sitting right here, come and get it. Right, and it should take just seconds. And that, and that's opposed to, I guess, the quote, the traditional way of doing it, where you just have 100 machines up and running at any particular time, and then the game just knows that these are the 100 DNS addresses of these 100 machines you have running the game. And if we need more machines... My beeper goes off and I spin up another machine, usually with an image or something. It's good to hear back from the chairman again. I'm glad we have that. It's good to hear that what they're doing actually might make the eventual Star Citizen experience really top-notch and first-class. And that sentiment came through in the letter over and over again. We get it. I mean, we out here in in the big world get it. that He wants it to be first-class, top-notch, A number one, best thing ever, and that they're going to take time to get it right. And that's perfectly fine with us, but the waiting is much easier when we know that the guy at the top, the guy that we entrusted all these millions of dollars to, is, in fact, hearing the concerns and responding to them with you know, solid information about exactly what they're planning to do. And you know, we may need a network expert like Jeff to sort of translate for us what's actually going on, but you know, we can do that. The other part that was came out of this is that he has been neck deep in Squadron 42. And Reverse the Verse had some interesting details about Squadron 42 this week. And one of them was that it's not going to be multiplayer. They're going to repurpose some of the missions for multiplayer ability 
But the Squadron 42 missions themselves, as I understand it, you'll not be able to co-op those missions. Yeah, I thought that was strange. In the first phase of the kickoff, when we all, you know, the, us golden ticket holders, it was our understanding that Squadron 42 was going to be the single-player game. Yeah. And that Star Citizen was going to be the multiplayer portion of that. In the early days, they always talked about having drop-in multiplayer, where you could be playing the mission and your friend could join your mission as your wingman, not as a separate itinerant entity walking around in your world, true multiplayer, but being able to form up on your wing instead of you having Jester or whatever as your wingman. He would become Jester. It was, it was presented to me as something strange and odd, and in our own internal channels, some people, uh, guard frequency and priority one network personnel that seemed a little taken aback by this. I myself am sort of in Jeff's camp for a couple reasons. Number one, Squadron 42, Wing Commander, X-Wing versus TIE Fighter. I mean, all those sort of classic games. It was you versus the world, man. Mm -hmm. You needed to be the right. hero. Exactly. Right? It was up to you. It's a little bit of fantasy, a little bit of wish fulfillment, a little bit of ego boost. And I'm going to draw upon my experience as a Foundry mission author in Star Trek Online here. It's hard to write a story where you have a lot of characters and a point A and a point B and a point C where you want the story to go and then hand off the decision making and the ability to make that story happen to a stranger and make them feel like they're needed to do this. That's hard to do. And then you have to like add two people. That's forget it. It's a matter of scripting, right? So you've got a game that you have a beginning, a middle, and an end to that you have an outcome with. And let's take Wing Commander. You're gonna go out, patrol some waypoints. You battle a couple of scouting parties. You report back, you found the enemy carrier. You come back and the next mission is to take your bomber out and destroy the tanker. If you have more than one actual player involved, you could break that script. Oh yeah, that was a serious problem in the foundry for me is that you would set up the encounters, right? You had a basic dialogue function that you set triggers, and uh, when these events happened, these triggers would fire, and this character would say this to you, and you could have some basic choices of dialogue. That was hard enough when I was just dealing with a one player, right? But in Star Trek Online, you could have up to four teammates with you playing that mission. But there was only one captain, right? There's only one person right. in the story that was supposed to feel special. But if you could have, and this would be drop-in co-op of up to four other people, they'd just be up there twiddling their thumbs. And the encounters would go all out of balance with the number of enemies that you had. People could overrun objectives, right? If you set physical triggers on the map someplace. Right, exactly. You might design it great, you know, four squads of Klingon marauder people to like pin down a single starship but if he has four wingmen all of a sudden it would not be hard to drive around those ships and then set off a trigger in the wrong part of the story just for simplification of scripting and for story purposes i'm totally okay with squadron 42 being single player only yeah and that's the way i always understood it to be i mean that's the way it was presented to us originally that was the next wing commander in, in the series and I never expected mm -hmm. it to be multiplayer. Star Citizen was our universe to gather within. And for the record, I think I'm still much more interested in the Persistent Universe thing. Squadron 42 will be fun. It'll be fantastic. It'll be a great little ego trip, you know, to be the hero of your story and all that kind of thing. But I'm in it for the Persistent Universe. But the way that Chris talks up Squadron 42, I think he wants to kick off another genre of movie making, right? Just like talkies back in the 1920s brought sound 
to movies for the first time. I think he's looking at the computer generated images that he's filming now combined with the storytelling that he wants to implement. I think he's really looking forward to making a new kind of cinema. I think that's what he's really trying to do here. The other portion of this was that, you know, Squadron 42 was going to come out first and you were going to play through the missions and you were going to get a, a citizenship or some other commander title. I don't know how that's going to play with other players involved. Well, Chris answered so many questions, it really almost feels silly to ask, but where the f*** is the first-person shooter module? It's the one question he didn't answer. He even said, I can't tell you. So we're still stuck asking the question and playing other things while we're waiting, which is perfectly fine with me. Jace, what have you been playing? Let me guess, let me guess, let me guess, let me guess. Star Trek Online. Well, I have. Mostly for the summer event, though, I haven't been doing much other gameplay in it. I've been uh, getting back into Marvel Heroes recently because they are also having an anniversary event. So it's been chaos. <laughs> Loot madness in both games. Which game you're playing. Yes. Jeff, what are you up to? I picked up some games in with a Steam sale. And along with Steam, Origin had their own 70% off sale. So I picked up Battlefield Hardline. And I've been actually playing through the campaign on that. Uh-huh. You've been spoiled for choice then, huh? Yeah. Well, what can I say? This week, I've been playing real-life Tetris, because <laughs> I've been moving. I know that game all so, too well. stack this here, move that there. Oh, crap. I should have put that down first before this thing. Oh, no, that thing's coming down the ramp now, and now I've got it all screwed up, I and mean, I'm going to have to move these four things to make room for that. So, yeah, uh, that's what I've been doing this week, real-life Tetris. And I was literally herding cats about three hours ago. We had to move our, our cats from the old house to the new house, and they were displeased with the changes in their environment. One of them vomited to show her displeasure. That's been me, real-life Tetris and cat vomit. <laughs> well, so what you're telling me, Tony, is that you received very poor reviews in your transit service. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. I did not have a good and I have a good in-flight movie. I did not give it a good drink. That is that's I'm one stars all the way down. Okay. <laughs> Achievement acquired. And that brings us to this week's community question. How would you rate the Genesis Starliner? Are they getting the five stars all the way from top to bottom? Or do their service leave something to be desired? Send an email to squawk at guardfrequency.com or post on our show thread over at robertspaceindustries.com. Now that we're all caught up on CIG News, let's hear about the chairman of Consolidated Outland in this week's Nuggets for Nuggets. You have all flown before, but you're about to enter a whole new world, so pay attention. That means get on your feet, Nuggets. Coming up on Rich and Famous Universe, we discuss Silas Kerner, Child of Bremen 2, and a trillionaire who doesn't like to follow the rules. Silas shook up the ship industry with the Mustang. There's nothing like it out there. It was a phenomenon. It changed everything. With so much of it made right there on Raito, they can do exactly what they want without having to have it outsourced. Another good move from Silas. Redefine what it means to travel the stars. It's great to innovate, but just because he has the money and dares to dream doesn't mean he knows better than everyone else. His first products were conversion kits for other ships because he didn't think those were good enough. The thing about him is that he doesn't do one thing. He owns a shipping company, controls interests in at least nine news outlets. Diversification of resources can be a really big advantage. I wonder if all that control in the news is why whatever he invests in seems to become so popular all of a sudden. 
I've heard him called a visionary. Visionary? Maybe so. Look, Silas took the cards he was dealt. He turned his hand of cards into several entire decks. Then he opened a casino. Yeah, I guess he is a visionary. Many people say he's made a lot of wise choices. With his money, perhaps. But have you ever tried to land a Mustang with damaged wings? Silas isn't known much for having a personal life. He rarely leaves the planet except to test drive new ships. Hard to make friends when you tell half the galaxy their aurora looks like a flying trash can, or the gladiator, a half-assed toy for full-grown children to play fighter hero. Some people have told me he's not easy to please. Uh, he can be a bit uh, hard to get used to. Are you jealous? Maybe just bad memories from my stint at the Mustang factory. Came up onto the floor and made me change everything I had been working on the whole day. Uh, he has his way of making people angry at themselves for being angry at him. But the question is, is he right? I'm Smooth Furnace. Tune in to find out on Rich and Famous Universe. Okay, buddy, what's on your mind? We're all friendly! So let's just be friendly! Some say he has 15 degrees when he roomy enters, and that he eats raw food, and it's cooked by the time it clears his esophagus. But all I know is he's called a shiv, and he helped put together this week's feedback. Last week's community question was, concept sales before FPS release. Good idea, bad idea, indifferent. Did you read Ben's post? Go. Osteron wrote, I agree with the concept sale policy. If they kept doing concept sales with Star Marine hanging and most of their ship deployment resources devoted to Squadron 42, it would give ample fuel to the trolls who still believe Chris Roberts is just going to fold up CIG and go live on a private island with the multiple millions of dollars. That said, if and when they do have more sales, a more advanced schedule would be nice. I've said before I don't feel like I'll ever spend more than $100 on a ship, but if I know about, for example, the Starfarer sale further in advance, I might have budgeted for it. Rambus writes, uh, Ben has cleared all the Q&A on this topic on the forum. Why the concepts are coming, he's been very active this week. I want my bus, but I'll earn it later in-game or buy it later when it's hangar ready. Who knows? The first thing I'm waiting for is a social module. FPS, bored by it already. Sticky, outy, tongue face. Amontillado says, Hi folks, I'm of the opposite opinion regarding the F8 and its inclusion in the Persistent Universe. I don't want to be able to buy one, and I hope owning or operating one will be an illegal act in the Persistent Universe. The F8 Lightning is the UEE's new cutting-edge fighter that is in the process of replacing the F7 Hornet. These should not be zipping around in civilian hands. I imagine getting to pilot the F8 will be an accomplishment in Squadron 42, reserved for the best, and should feel like you're finally in THE premier fighter, ready to take on the world. I think this feeling is the reason the F-8 even exists, and allowing us to freely fly it in the PU would lessen this significantly. As to concept sales being delayed until after Star Marine is released, no. Concept sales are not only an opportunity for CIG to increase the game's funding, but they also represent progress in the creation of the content of the game. They should be made available to us when they're ready. Star Marine being delayed is bad enough. Let's not stop what progress we are seeing. Soldian wrote, Truth in reporting, gents. 1.2 is Star Marine. It's all one big sloppy cheeseburger now. The next patch should bring Star Marine and all the fixes to missiles, etc. 
Your community question is moot now, obviously, since the Genesis Starliner will be going on sale. I'm sure you've read Ben's post on their philosophy behind it. I understand and agree. Still gotta make the donuts. One point I think your adoring audience needs to understand clearly, as it's been said many times by the tech designers, is that everything from the flight model, the thrusters are not calibrated as per their sizes yet, etc., to physical damage states and weapon impact variables are going to change. Time to kill will go up significantly, and the strategies of using signatures and power management will come into greater focus. What we have in Arena Commander now will be completely different six months from now and into Squadron 42 and the Persistent Universe. Great show, guys. Gotta say, I miss Tony's raw, I mean, dulcet tones. Ahem. Winky face. Winky face. <laughs> I think you have a secret admirer. Imperial Paradox writes in and says, It's doubtful there will be Arena Commander patch until the FPS hits. Because according to CIG, the nature of their branching code structure makes patching AC beforehand very unlikely. Although, let me interject, we didn't talk about this in the Chris Roberts letter, but he did say they were looking into a way to drop the patch with Star Marine disabled so that we could get the Arena Commander fixes. But we'll see if that's possible. I did find the question about why doesn't CIG release a full schedule of upcoming concept ship sales interesting? Because as you guys said, it would allow you to better plan out which ships you would want to pass on and which ships you would want to buy. But you essentially answered your own question. By not giving you that knowledge, CIG is essentially pressuring buyers to buy whatever ship that is currently up for sale because they have no idea if the next concept sale will be more desirable. It's essentially a marketing gimmick. The end result increases the likelihood that a customer will buy two ships instead of one. Oddsball says, very good post, a logical and level-headed look at why things are the way they are, because marketing, gotta keep bringing in that money. I believe that was in response to the uh, post that Ben made and that uh, Rambus commented on, but yeah, I mean, we kind of did answer our own question, yes, it's marketing, and Ben came in and cleared it up and said credit, which also is another good reason. I mean, there's a lot of good reasons why they want to keep doing it, but he also gave a nod to the reality that, yeah, the way the reality is now is holding up some expectations people have expectations of fixes to arena commander which is again broken but the branching code thing jace just interjected there maybe there's a solution there the star marine unofficial not quite ready for prime time gameplay was already sort of leaked with the leak i mean the code is sort of out there right now you can't do much with it i've never i haven't seen anybody do much with it there is the hack that apparently is out there now where some people have some things working so Star Marine kind of is out there in the wild now a little bit. So having the code branch released even with a non-functional Star Marine, but all the fixes that are in Arena Commander would be nice. I think that's one of the things that really has got people down, is that there hasn't been any visible or accessible progress to the gameplay itself. I, and I'm going to be brutally honest, it's not just the move. I haven't gotten into a match in Arena Commander in probably close to three or four weeks now. No, I basically can't play for the issues. Yeah. I can't finish a match. I crash every time. I've gotten into matches and been able to go to slug out a few rounds and then either lagged out or whatever. Yeah, it's, it's just not a fun game right now. That's part of why it's good to see the letter from the chairman. You know, Chris is out of his groundhog hole. He's popped up, seen the shadow, and started writing letters from the chairman again. Hot dog. Good move. And hopefully we'll we'll see those updates every week, and we don't have to ask questions like this anymore. Like, why don't we put things on hold until we get the real problem fixed? Uh, hopefully that'll put those discussions to bed. 
And turning to general feedback, Mike D said, Ben Croshaw is on this podcast. Empathetic as well as several said, I'd like to point out that they implicitly said they aren't going to sell the F8. We did get a correction notice from a sister podcast whose name shall not be mentioned because they like space ponies. But we thank the sister podcast, Lovers of Space Ponies. They sent us a direct message on Twitter that said, yeah, they're probably not going to sell the F8 ever. And he also issued a couple other corrections for which the supervising producer of this podcast will take stern disciplinary measures on the crew for flubbing. There might be a raised eyebrow. Also, Freedom had a message, stop giving Jeff a bad time about mispronounced words. You wouldn't have a blooper reel without him. Winky face. That's not entirely true. This week, the blooper reel might be featuring me <laughs> a lot this week. I don't know. We'll I am not the only one that mispronounces word. I'm just the only one you focus on when I do it. <laughs> <laughs> we do We do rub it in. That's, that's very true. Dice Failure says, let us know they tuned into the base to hear the show. Thanks, the base and Dice Failure. Our new patron this week is Helius, and our winner is Cameron. Thanks very much for your pledge. We'll put it to good use. Patches are in the works, people. We are getting close to getting those out. We'll share the art with you once we've got it finalized, and then we will select a manufacturer and get them into circulation, because we want real things, something physical, a token of this. We're internet people, right? But if you have something to hold and something to look at, it's more real that way, and we think that's important. And a reminder of this week's community question, how would you rate the Genesis Starliner? Did the team earn five stars, or was it one star all the way down? Send an email to squawk at cardfrequency.com or post on our show thread over at robertspaceindustries.com. So, how was the show? Did we start the fire or did we only manage to get burned? Either way, let us know. Here's some ways you can get in touch with us. Check out our forum post at forums.robertspaceindustries.com. Leave a comment on this episode's show notes at guardfrequency.com. You can subscribe, feeds.guardfrequency.com, or find us on iTunes. You can hit us up on Twitter at GuardFreak, or leave a comment and like us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash GuardFreak. And if you're old school like us, shoot an email to squawk at guardfrequency.com. Your feedback's an important part of what we do, so take a minute. Tell us what's on your mind. And that brings us to the end of episode 78 of Guard Frequency. We'll be back with episode 79 on July 14th. We're taking American Independence Day off, so no show next week. But be sure to keep an eye out for all our shows at GuardFrequency.com or on the official Robert Space Industries fan site subforum. Please send us your feedback about the show. Aside from all the ways we just ran down, you can also use the contact form on our website. And all the details for all the ways that you can get in touch with us can be found in the show notes. Do you like what we do? Want to come help us make the best damn space sim podcast ever? If so, just send a note to squawk at guardfrequency.com. And if you just can't get enough spaceship podcasting, why not check out our sister production, Priority One? We cover Star Trek Online and the greater Star Trek universe. Just go to priorityonepodcast.com. Are you looking for a friendly wingman or two? Check out our organization, Guard Frequency Response of the official RSI website, robertspaceindustries.com forward slash org forward slash guardfreak. And if you're not doing anything Friday nights, then you should join us live over at guardfrequency.com forward slash live. We start recording on our new time around 11 p.m. Central. That's Saturdays at 5 a.m. GMT. 
We want to thank the entire team over at Guard Frequency and the Priority One Network. Thanks to our community manager, Justin Chivalry Bean Lowmaster, our artist, Simon Trollton Edwards, and our audio engineer, Michael Duncan. And thanks to our special guest host from Priority One, Jace. Thanks to our syndication partner, The Bass, and special thanks to Ronald Jenkins for his permission to use his music in our show. Visit RonaldJenkins.com for more of his work. But above all, we especially want to thank you folks for tuning in. If no one's listening out there, the deep black gets pretty lonely. Reduce thrust. Contact 330, count 15, squawk 7700. Stay on the guard. an if-then statement basic programming yeah yeah well i mean you know he's in oregon i mean it's probably an artisanal programming system that he uses out there <laughs> it doesn't need if that's okay, free okay. range that's right free range programming uh let's try this see this is what you get tony we're talking about star trek I believe i heard something about those hyper chicken uh those hyper chickens out your way tony yeah, the the prairie hyper chickens. Yeah, prairie hyper chickens. Uh-huh. It's not it's not blue in its natural state. You do add special um, ingredients to it to make it blue. I, I, not many people know that. You probably had no idea. <laughs> it doesn't start out as blue, but yeah. Jeff, do you still do you still have a beeper? Yes, I have a beeper. I still have a beeper in my yes. Door. <laughs> yes. <laughs> do you also have a brick cell phone from the nineties? Yes, I do. Ones? I still have my I one thousand. Yes. Actually. <laughs> fantastic oh jeff your old school creds are once again validated and safe with us. Well done, i sometimes well think he keeps done, this sir. stuff just so that he can say yes when you ask him these crazy <laughs> i questions. think so too actually i just don't know where to get rid of it. i mean just, i mean these stuff... yeah, now he's afraid to throw anything away he's like oh there's an eight track <laughs> yeah. deck oh Tony's going to ask you about the A-Track deck one of these days. I better put that in this box over here. <laughs> I, no, I don't have an A-Track. No, no, I don't have an A-Track. Oh, but I, well, but I, was... do have, I do have an old Amiga 4000 video toaster and an Amiga 500, and I've got a couple of uh, uh, 386s, IBM, real IBM 386s. I even have oh. a, a compact luggable. <laughs> so, oh, the original portable computer oh and uh, yes, the one, the one that was you know 75 pounds going through the airport going to <laughs> clients and oh my god what a, what a monstrosity that thing was you know the, us golden ticket holders um, uh, i had to get it in with a beaver <laughs> and a brick phone and an yeah. amiga 5000 well, that's how I, that's how they knew to to get the golden tickets they actually just right. paged them i did find the question I did find the question. Jeff, go. Jeff, go. Jeff, go. Jeff, go, Jeff, go, go. I'm going, slave driver. Our new Patreon this week is hellacious. Our winner is... Hell yes. <laughs> Didn't we just get done with this? We just got done with this. And we're focusing on it, just like you said. That's right. And I'm going oh, to hit the table a few more times to focus on it some more. Okay, I'm done. That was beautiful. Brought, <laughs> brought a tear to my eye. <laughs> See, now you're going to make me go back to rice it.